these guys and gals don't have really somebody they can confide in. We always get into, you know, how's your soul doing? How are you doing spiritually? Hey, welcome to the Loop Community Podcast, where we are passionate about providing worship leaders with quality and affordable resources to help your band sound great, but most importantly, to help you sound like you. My name is Matt McCoy. I'm the founder of Loop Community, and I'm here with my co-host, Derek. How's it going, Derek? It's going great. Derek, we have a great interview today. We do. Rory Noland. The Rory Noland. The. So when I first started leading worship, I was like 14 years old or something. Mm-hmm. And I remember um, my mom, I think, got me his book, The Heart of the Artist. And I read through the whole book. A couple years later, when I was on staff at a church full time, I actually took my whole worship team through The Heart of the Artist as like a worship team devotional nice. together. And it was actually, it was amazing. Well, then like, you know, he had another book. Fast forward like probably 13 years or something. I'm graduating college in Cincinnati. And I'm thinking, okay, what am I going to do now? You know, am I going to move somewhere? Like, where do I go after college? Mm -hmm. Do I stay at the church I'm at? Do I go somewhere else? And like literally the next day in my inbox, I see an email from Rory Noland. And I'm like, what in the world? This guy's like famous. Like, (laughs) how this guy's emailing me? Like, how cool is this? And his email is like, hey, are you, you know, I'm at a church in Chicago, Harvest Bible Chapel. And he's like, are you looking for a worship job? And I'm like, well, hey, I'm definitely interested in talking. And he says, hey, are you available to, you know, talk next weekend? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, Rory, sorry. I'm actually leading worship at a youth conference in like the middle of nowhere, Ohio, in some very small town. And he writes me back and he's like, interesting. I'm actually teaching at a worship conference in Ohio next weekend. What town are you in? And turns out we're both in the exact same small town in Ohio at different conferences. Different conferences. Because I thought maybe we'd be at the same conference. Right. Because like, how many conferences can there be in this right. town? Small the town. Weekend. He's at a different conference. Wow. I'm at another conference down the street. And we end up meeting for coffee at a Starbucks nice. halfway in between the churches. And awesome. uh, we met and our relationship, you know, just continued from there. I ended up, you know, ended up going to Chicago and mm-hmm. I was on staff at Harvest Bible Chapel for like nine years. And yeah. he was my boss there and such an awesome experience i bet because rory is like the worship pastor's pastor yeah he has all these books but he has like so much experience worship leading and pastoring worship teams if anybody's ever gotten to hear him just talk about you know art in the church i mean rory just has such an awesome perspective on integrating the arts you know not even just music yeah but like i mean everything scripture he's got an awesome blog where he's you know, always writing about scripture is good. And I just remember being led by Rory was a really amazing experience. I bet. That's awesome. And so I'm excited to share this interview with my good friend, Rory Noland.
Rory, thanks for joining the Loop Community Podcast. It's so good to have you here. Thanks, Matt. It's great to be with you and whoever's listening. Uh, wish them greetings and uh, glad we're all together here. Oh, man. We go back probably 10 years, right? Yeah. To yeah harvest. We... Well, we both have some roots at Willow Creek, Yeah, which yeah. is interesting. You, yeah. were, you were the worship pastor there for how long? Uh, well, for 20 plus years. So. Wow. And then you were at Harvest Bible Chapel where, where I worked as well, and you were my, you were my boss. That's right. <laughs> Headed up the worship ministry there and pretty awesome. But I knew you way before that even. I knew of you. You didn't know of me, but I had read The Heart of the Artist. Oh, cool. Which I know many worship leaders probably listening to this have maybe read your books, Heart of the Artist or um, Worship as it is in Heaven. Okay, cool. Yeah. And then you have another one. Isn't that Heart of the Artist 2? Uh, well, I actually have four. The, the second one was Thriving as an Artist in the Church. It's kind of a follow-up to Heart of the Artist, kind of taking the discussion leader and then the discussion deeper. And then um, the third one was uh, Worshiping as an Artist in the, in the Church, which is uh, designed for worship teams, just basic theology for what we need to know to, you know, to lead worship. Right. It's so important. And I know the Heart of the Artist had a huge impact on me as I was growing up. I probably read that when I was 14. So as I started my worship journey and... Uh, for those of you guys who are listening, Rory Noland is kind of like the worship pastor's pastor, the Obi-Wan Kenobi for worship <laughs> leaders. There's just just so much knowledge. And I know that with my time working under you and serving under you, like I just felt so pastored and led by you. So I thought it'd be awesome to have you on to kind of do that for the worship leaders of Loop Community. So could you just kind of kick us off and give us just a little bit of background of your musical journey and how you got started leading worship? My musical journey, I originally wanted to be a film score composer or a songwriter um, or, or a serious composer. And that's what I went to music school for. And I mean, that's where uh, my dreams were. You know, I was a Christian, but uh, you know, at that time, especially, there was nothing happening in the church musically. So I, I never gave the church like a second thought. And so when the Lord uh, started to lead me towards church ministry, I was like, you got to be kidding, Lord. I, I mean, I'm in fact, I'm a little embarrassed by it now because I was like, you know, the church is where artists go to die. It's like, <laughs> it's like it's the last place I want to invest my time, my talent, you know, and I kind of saw the church as really backward, you know, musically and artistically, you know, but over time, the Lord really worked in my heart and made me realize this is where I want you. So I came in kicking and screaming, but uh, I have certainly, uh, you know, enjoyed my life in the church, my ministry in the church. And uh, I mean, now I can't see doing anything else. I, I'm so glad that uh, that God led me to where I am today. Where did you first lead worship? Like, what was your first experience leading worship? It's probably for a youth group out in Colorado. Uh, you know, after I finished music school, you know, I moved uh, out to Colorado. My best friend actually got involved in a church. He wanted to uh, to know if I wanted to um, to move and be with him and lead worship for the youth group. So. I didn't have a job, you know, just got a job at a, at a mail room at a construction company or something like that, you know. And uh, so, yeah, that was my very first experience leading worship. And then you transitioned to Willow Creek at some point or? Yeah, yeah. I had been involved at Willow actually during college and uh, it's kind of where I got started. And, and uh, But I wasn't, uh, you know, I was leading worship a little uh, at that point too. I, you know, I forgot about it now. Now that you bring it up. But yeah, I would kind of fill in here and there um, leading worship for the youth group at Willow, too. That's awesome. So tell us a little bit about the heart of the artist and where that came from. Yeah. Well, my mission, my overall mission 
is to serve artists in the church. And so, especially over time, it's become somewhat multifaceted. I mean, I serve artists through the books I write and through speaking conferences and um, in teaching. I uh, also mentor and coach worship leaders one-on-one. You know, I I teach right now. I'm even teaching at at a Christian college and investing in the next generation uh, of worship leaders as well. So it's kind of, it's, it's been yeah. fun. It's been, uh, I like the variety of what I get to do in this season of life. Are you still leading worship? I'm leading worship for a ministry called the Transforming Center, which is a retreat ministry for uh, church pastors and worship leaders that specializes in spiritual formation. And so, I mean, those are my two passions, worship and spiritual formation. So you know, to be able to lead worship in a setting like that is pretty special. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. I think you and I have some similarities, not only in that people sometimes think I'm your son. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, right, which, which I take as a compliment. Right, right. Um, but also in that the transition from leading, being maybe a full-time on-staff worship leader, but transitioning to then providing worship leaders with resources or helping them. What was that transition like for you? Because you were full-time at a church, like I was as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's funny, Matt, because, yeah, I was at Willow, and I mean, I thought I was going to spend the rest of my life there, and, you know, I built up the ministry and everything, it was going well, and there were some changes going on in leadership, so some of my responsibilities were kind of realigning, and and which was fine, I mean, but it, it caused me for the first time in my life to question, Lord, do you even want me to stay here? I mean, like I said, I thought I was going to die walking the halls of Willow or something, and um, and that was the first time that I, that I started to question. And over several months, it was very clear to me that the Lord wanted me to embark on a ministry that served artists in the church. That that calling became more clear, and that's why I left in 2004. It was, and it was difficult because I <laughs> really out on a limb. It's like. You know, you give up your cushy job at a at a church with the regular paychecks, you know, to go out and limb it, you know, as you know. And uh, but God has blessed and provided, and it's it's been great. Yeah, it's it is pretty incredible how you just take the step and then you see how God provides yeah. makes a way for it. So the worship coaching, uh, worship leader mentoring and coaching that you're doing, I think that's so cool. Can you just give us a little glimpse of what? Like, what are the main areas when you when you pull in a worship leader for coaching? What are some of the main areas that you focus on? Well, for each person, it's really uh, designed to meet, you know, whatever needs they have, their specific needs that, you know, so it's different for everybody. Most of the people I meet with, we we meet once a month, and it's usually by phone or by Skype uh, because, you know, they're kind of scattered all over the world, actually. And, you know, it's about an hour uh, meeting, and we address anything and everything they want to talk about. It's, it's you know, whatever whatever's going on that month. So it could be, you know, challenges they're, that they're facing with the ministry or with, uh, with their pastor or uh, how to get from, you know, point A to point B with either their volunteers or the church itself. Uh, so some of it's just very, you know, leadership oriented. But sometimes also we get, and especially because of my bend towards spiritual formation, we always get into, you know, how's, how's your soul doing? How, how are you doing spiritually? And uh, a lot of these guys and gals don't have really somebody they can confide in 
outside the church, you know, that they right. can be completely, you know, 100% vulnerable and honest and truthful about what's going on. So, and I pray for all of them, you know, throughout the month. So, you know, I try to come alongside them in prayer as well. But I wish I had somebody older when I was their age. And that's why I started doing this because I felt so alone and I didn't have anybody that I could, you know, really turn to that halfway understood, uh, you know, my situation or what it was like to be in a, in a church, you know, doing worship. And um, so, you know, part of my goal is to give the next generation of worship leaders um, something that I wish I had had when I was their age. Yeah, it is really important. I remember that was one of the things that drew me to working with you at Harvest. And I experienced that for five years. I felt like we had a weekly meeting where you would, you know, you would ask me about obviously things I'm working on and things that are going on in the ministry, but it was also deeper than that. It was, how are you doing in life? Do you have a girlfriend? Like, how are you, know, <laughs> how are you doing in your spiritual life? And I remember feeling very cared for, but I also remember feeling very safe in that if I was having issues with anything or I needed to talk to you about something, I could. And I do think there are a lot of worship leaders that don't have that. Maybe you don't feel safe to share so I remember I, I got like five years of free mentorship, I feel like, with you. There you go. <laughs> you guys paid me to be mentored by you. It was pretty yeah. awesome. Yeah, and I love the next generation of worship leaders. Uh, I feel like the church is in great hands in the future and, uh, you know, really, you know, grown to, to love uh, young worship leaders. And so anything I can do, I, I mean, I don't, I never tell people what to do. It's like, hey, these, these are some possibilities. Have you ever thought yeah. about this? Because, you know, they're, they're smart, uh, but it's just kind of giving another perspective. Yeah, that's so important. What would you say, you know, as you've been doing this, are there any consistent, like, main issues that you feel like worship leaders are facing? Well, I think today uh, there's like two or three that instantly come to mind as far as the questions that I get asked most often. First one would be, how can I get my people to engage uh, more and better during worship? And it's actually kind of ironic uh, that at a time when we've got great worship happening, and it, I mean, the quality of the musicianship is so much better than when I first started. It's got great music, got great songs being written. But increasingly, for some weird reason, probably because we live in a very consumeristic, spectator-driven society and culture, we're seeing less and less people actually singing, you know, actually engaged in worship. I mean, it's it's kind of ironic. We don't always realize it, but, you know, there's always like the first couple of rows. That's where all the worship groupies sit, you know, they're into it. But the further back you go, and I always encourage worship leaders to step out sometime and stand in the back and you'll see what we're talking about here. And and they see it, you know, very yeah. often. You know, I'll see people just standing, yep. you know, and not moving their mouths. You know, but and they're polite. I mean, they're not, you know, they're not, you know, antagonistic or anything like that. But they're not really. They're watching. You know. Yeah. And um, it's it's really frustrating. And so, you know, one of the questions I get often is, you know, how do I create a worship culture? And um, you know, if it were easy, yeah, as as just getting up there, you know, with a guitar and singing, yeah, it would be easily accomplished. But it's a little bit more complicated than that. Prime is the easiest way to run all of your multi-tracks and live performance. Download Prime from the App Store and browse our catalog of thousands of songs at loopcommunity.com. Prime has a full audio mixer, which allows you to adjust the volume, 
mute, and solo individual instruments in a song. Every song comes with a click and cue track, which will guide you through the song as you play. It's never been this easy to use multi-tracks and live performance. Download your copy of Prime today. It's interesting how much you can learn by just being in the congregation. This past year, I've spent more time in the congregation than I have on stage for the first time in my life. And even just yesterday, I was thinking, wow, it really is important how you key the song. Yeah. <laughs> because, yes. and I used to be this worship leader who would key things like super high, like the recording. Yeah, and yeah. I realized yesterday, the worship leader was playing the song in such a high key. And I'm thinking, okay, first of all, it's 9 a.m. I didn't have a three-hour warm-up like this guy did. Yeah. And I'm not really wanting to sing this high. I can't even. <laughs> oh, gosh, man. That is that is very astute. It was a big realization for me. Yeah. You know, a lot of times as a consultant to an area of worship, I get uh, pulled in uh, where a church will ask me to evaluate a service. You know, just observe and give them some feedback. I try to sit where I can kind of like in the middle so I can see a little bit what's going on, but actually kind of turn and see how many people are really singing? And it is actually scary. Right. You know, when you look out and you're like, wow, there's like, there's hardly anybody singing right now. <laughs> and and I don't know. I mean, I'm looking at the at the worship leader on, you know, on the platform and they, you know, they got their eyes closed and they're they're really into it. I mean, no fault to the the quality of what's going on up there, but I, I don't know if they're aware of how we're not with them. Right. Yeah. I remember you guys always really encouraging us to, hey, open your eyes and just watch the people you're leading because you are leading people and you need to kind of make sure they're still with you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but Pull yeah, in. right. Right. Oh man. Rory, this conversation just remind just reminds me just how much I loved working with you. We used to call you the velvet hammer because <laughs> yeah. you had a way of, you had a way of like just saying things straight, but in a very like soft and like loving way, which is that people need that. Like worship leaders, I think need leaders like that in their life. What would you say a healthy worship leader looks like? And I don't mean like healthy physically, I guess, or I guess you could include that if you want, but like if a, if a worship leader is thriving, is flourishing or healthy, what are some signs that show you that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that's great. It's a great question, Matt, because it, it's also uh, one of the other questions I was thinking of when, when you were asking me about the current issues and because I often get asked, you know, how how can I have a healthy life amidst the fast pace, amidst the de- the weekly demand of leading worship and mobilizing and rehearsing volunteers and everything that's on my plate, you know? And you know, I, I hear it a lot of times in worship leaders' voices, and I've been there. It's like, wow, it's it's really, you know, church work. It can be very draining and uh, very wearying if you know if you're not careful. And if you're not putting things in place, you know, to help you be healthy. And so I think as far as what it looks like, first of all, it's uh, putting in a reasonable amount of hours, number of hours. And you have to determine, you know, that's usually determined by the church, but that you also uh, become an efficient worker. And for those of us who are artists, that can be a challenge, you know, because we're not used to working efficiently. But in the real world, it's it's one of the things that you need to to work on and accomplish as best you can. 
in order to really, you know, really survive and last long. And then I, I think, you know, tending to your relational world, make sure you have a healthy marriage, you know, do what it takes to invest in your in your marriage, in your family. You know, don't be the guy who or the, or the gal who, you know, so devoted to church that you neglect your marriage or your family. And then it also means having a healthy soul, you know, making sure that you are in the word and, and praying that you have an authentic relationship uh, with the Lord so that when you stand in front of people, you're just leading them out of the great intimacy and depth of your own worship with God, just on a personal level. Right. Those are all very good things. Would you say that like there's any kind of like a car has a dashboard with a warning light that says like check engine, you know, or something's wrong. Would you say there's any warning lights or warning signs for worship leaders that their heart isn't in the right place? Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of it comes out by how you respond. Um, <laughs> oh, boy. I think I know what you're going to say here. In the moment to, I, I think soundcheck, for example, I, I think is can be, in rehearsals, can be one of the most challenging character-forming <laughs> aspects <laughs> of the ministry. And, yeah, the way that you react to things that come up in rehearsal, the way that you react to how your pastor approaches you, like with last minute, you know, stuff or even criticism, the the way you react to being disappointed by your volunteers and, uh, you know, some of the challenges of working with people, it's really hard to live the Christian life, period. But if you are, you know, on the on the ragged edge, just, you know, in your life, it's it can be even harder. And working in ministry can often reveal like anger, uh, resentment, bitterness, you know, even, you know, perfectionism. I mean, it really brings out, and I personally was not prepared for how, how challenging the ministry was going to be just to my own personal character. And uh, I was a pretty, I mean, I was having all these conflicts early in ministry and I thought, uh, what's wrong with these people? You know, <laughs> yeah. I can't get it together. And in all honesty, I was the problem. I was overly perfectionistic. I was insecure. I was defensive, and uh, I had some anger issues. And so, wow, it's just a recipe for disaster. And my lack of character was threatening to undermine the very ministry that I was trying to build. Wow. And uh, boy, I that's that's when I started to get really serious about you know my my inner life, my inner person, my inner being. Uh, really needs as much attention, if, if not more so, than how I do my job. Wow, that's so good. I, can, I feel like I can relate to all of that. I think our pastor James says, like, you spill what you're full of. Yeah. Like, if you're a bucket that's full of water, you know, like, when someone bumps into you, like, you spill whatever you're actually full of, what your heart looks like. Yeah. And I can totally see how that, yeah, that that happens in sound checks and or when you practice the song that you really want to do and then the pastor comes up at the, at the last minute and cuts it. Exactly. <laughs> How you respond in that moment kind of says yeah. where, your, where your heart is yeah. about it. Wow, that's so, such a good reminder. You've been on staff at churches for a long time. How have you seen the worship culture change over the years? You know, where we're at now in 2018 with the worship culture, um, is there anything that excites you about where we are now or anything that concerns you about where we are now? What does it look like to you? Well, I think what, what excites me 
about the next generation. I mean, getting back to this issue of participation, worship leaders today, at least they say that they're really into participatory worship. I mean, that that is the high value. That's part of what authentic worship is to us now. And, and so, which, which is why I think it is so frustrating that it's it's not happening on the level that they envisioned. And um, so, the idea of participatory worship, first of all, is such a such a welcome relief from you know the attractional model that uh, that you know Willow actually pioneered and, and perfected. It's just not where uh, worship is at these days. And so, I'm excited about that. I'm also excited about the level of uh, spiritual depth that I see worship leaders want to go, especially those I'm mentoring, there's a deep desire, you know, to to be all that God has for us to be. And I just remember, you know, when I was starting out, like I kind of alluded to, I was so focused on the music, you know, and and that was what the church was paying me to do. And Nobody would come along and pat me on the back for having my quiet time this morning. You know, that was not like part of my job description. And so it's easy for that stuff to to fall off the radar screen. And that's when I woke up to like, wait a minute, if I don't tend to that, then I'm not going to be able to do my job effectively over the long haul. And the quality, uh, I mean, you know, in Corinthians where Paul talks about you know, building, you know, the ministry on, on gold and silver instead of hay and stubble really convicted me about the kind of ministry that I was building. And uh, am I building something that really has depth and um, longevity to it in the long run? Uh, so I'm very excited about that. I'm also excited about the hunger that I sense in worship leaders today to grow spiritually, but also to grow in their understanding of worship. And um, again, this is why I'm enjoying teaching now on the college level and uh, and writing books, you know, that are a little bit more academic because I feel like the next generation is 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 ready for it. And, and there's there's a hunger, you know, to learn more and to also get back to a biblical concept of worship. I, I, th- I think I'm seeing that more and more actually within the last three or four years. and. Um, we all kind of take for granted that the worship that with which we grew up is the way it should be done. <laughs> and in fact, it, you know, as much as I love all of my church experience and the churches that I worked with, one of the alarming things that I, I do notice is that every situation that I walked into, worship was set. And, uh, you know, I, I really couldn't shape it. You know, the way they do worship was the way they do worship. And even now, a lot of times when I when I'm brought in as a worship consultant, and a church wants to uh, go from point A to point B, and so they hire me to help them do that. You know, at the beginning of the conversation, I always lay out why well, I could do this for you, I could do this for you, and you know, I could also, you know, bring a, a biblical understanding to to worship as it's revealed in Scripture. Nobody ever takes me up on that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's kind of sad, Matt. It's kind of a sad commentary. Nobody wants to hear, what does the Bible say about worship? Right. You know? Wow. They, 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 all, they all know. They all say, no, we want you to help us get from point A to point B. And point B is usually some vision of worship that they've seen at a conference, at, a, at some other big megachurch. 
And so it's kind of sad these days that leaders are not asking. See, I and I feel like worship leaders are asking it more than their pastors. And I think our pastors need, you know, need to be asking this more is what does the Bible say about worship right. and what should it look like? That's an important question, important question to ask. I know, but I'm surprised we don't ask it more often. Yeah, right, right. I had a good conversation with Aaron Nequist. Yeah. Last, uh, like a couple weeks ago. We talked about his new liturgies. Yeah. And yeah, kind yeah. of the journey that he's taking people through worship and like song and scripture and prayer. And I agree with you. I do think people are really wanting something just very authentic and also like, what does the Bible say? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Why are we doing this? You know? Yeah. Like, what a concept. Right, <laughs> right. So what are you what are you working on these days? Anything um anything brewing? Are you working on any music or new book or well yeah, there's a couple books. Um I'm just kind of starting to put together. Uh we're in conversation with Zondervan about a twentieth anniversary, the heart of the artist, which uh probably, you know, add some things to it. Uh, probably coming out next year or something. But I'm also beginning to work on a book that the working title, at least, is called Transforming Worship, and it kind of combines my two loves, uh, worship and spiritual formation. Uh, the, the question I keep asking is, you know, what would it look like to plan uh, worship as if spiritual formation mattered? And uh, that's kind of the, you know, the, the driving question. And um, thirdly, I, I mean, I, it's kind of unlike me to have three books kind of, you know, spinning at the same time. I'm usually just one at a time, but yeah. this is not kind of how it's happened. I love the Psalms and have always encouraged worship leaders to immerse themselves in the Psalms. So I'm working on on a commentary. It's probably going to take me, you know, a decade or two to write, you know, on the Psalms and, uh, you know, kind of approaching it in commentary form, but also approaching it from the perspective of a song, of a songwriter and a worship leader and a spiritual director. I'm a trained spiritual director. And uh, so I think those three perspectives are a little bit, you know, unique. And, um, you know, I've now worked through a first draft of half of them, 75 of them. And um, like I said, it's probably going to take me, you know, the rest of the decade to to, fi- wow. to finish that. But I am so jazzed. I mean, I, as I'm going over Psalms, you know, it's not not uncommon just to cry over the the depth and and where Jesus keeps showing up in the Psalms. So that's incredible. Yeah, it's been fun. And you're doing the worship coaching, worship mentoring. Yeah. If uh, someone listening to this podcast wanted to do that with you and get a hold of you, where would they go? Uh, my website is heartoftheartist.org, and so it's all kind of spelled out there at uh, heartoftheartist.org. Okay. If if you're listening to this, you're a worship leader, and you feel like maybe you're the only guy on staff leading worship, you don't have a pastor helping you out, and I think I highly recommend Time with Rory. It will be money well spent, that's for sure. Thanks for kicking me in the butt, helping me grow up a little bit as a worship leader, and but more importantly, as a man of God. Honestly, I think that's most important. And I know that you helped me do that. And I'm very grateful for that. Thanks, man. Um, So thank you for joining us on this. Guys, check out heartoftheartist.org. And uh, Rory, we'll talk soon. God bless. Thanks, man. Hey, community. Our indie spotlight for this month is Chris and Bethany Solientes. They are worship leaders at Renew Communities, which is a missional church in Ohio. They're husband and wife and met at Grace College in Indiana, and they have been writing and leading worship ever since. 
They have committed their lives to showing people the love and faithfulness of a God who is always near. Let's listen in as Bethany talks about their latest album, Steady, Able, Constant, and True. Our new record, Steady, Able, Constant, and True, was released just a couple months ago. And we wrote these songs to serve as reminders to the faithfulness and goodness of God working in our lives and in the lives of the people in our church. To celebrate the truth that when we draw near to God, that He'll draw near to us. In the Old Testament, the Israelites would often build altars to remember important events or times when they witnessed God's faithfulness. That's why we wrote these songs, to serve as altars that remind us to worship Him because of who He is, because of what He's done, how He's proved Himself faithful, and the lives that He has renewed and restored. That's awesome. Thanks for sharing, Bethany. Now let's listen to their song, I Will Sing, off of their new album. This is Community Talk. All right. What an awesome interview with Rory. That was great. He's like slam dunk every time you talk with him. Yeah. I think about like what I was telling you earlier that I took these guys like, you know, my worship team through it when I was like 13 years old. Right. Thinking like, oh my gosh, that makes me sound very, very (laughs) old. But I guess I've just had a really long worship career. Yeah. Long career. Kind of like the LeBron James of worship leaders. Yeah. Who's that? LeBron, the basketball player. Okay, all right. Uh, LeBron James has had a 15-year career, but he's only 32. So, kind of like you, long career, but... Except for I've just made a lot less money. Yep, a little bit less money. So, what did you think about this interview with Rory? Rory was awesome. It was great to hear from him and just how he pastors worship leaders and how he teaches people. And he talked about giving worship leaders resources that he didn't have um, growing up and that's in becoming a worship leader. And that's why he wrote books and why he does what he does. But what really stood out to me is I loved what he talked about, about taking criticism and what that says about your heart. I think everyone on earth struggles with this, but worship leaders a lot too of when something goes wrong technically, or I think it was mentioned in the interview, like when a song gets cut last minute from your set list that you worked really hard on and how you react to that and how you take the challenge and the criticism, it's huge. Right. We can get so caught up in our own thoughts about like, well, I spent time on this song and I want to play this song. But is it that big of a right. deal? Is that what God wants? Is that where, where is your heart in line because you want to play that song for God? Or is it yeah. just because you know you sound good on it? Right, exactly. Um, yeah, it can be hard to get your ego out of the way. Yeah. I know that like, yeah, when someone's <clears throat> like, hey, you sing this chorus and then they maybe transfer it to another vocalist. People mm-hmm. can get their feelings hurt or yeah. or even criticism. Like I see guys in the Facebook group posting things that say things that like, you know, people writing on the comment card. Yeah. Like, you know, we don't like the lyrics of that song or more hymns, please. Or yeah. I remember one time someone wrote it on the comment card for me. <laughs> they were like, the worship leader looks like he just woke up and came to church. <laughs> like didn't even like, yeah. Cause he, oh, cause I had a V-neck on. Got it. And they're like, the worship leader's hair looks like a mess. Yeah. 
And I was like, wow. And it's hard not to take that and be like, wow, like I can get angry about it and need yeah, to right. go tell everyone instead just like, all right, well, maybe I'll right. do my hair a little bit better next time or I'll just take that comment in stride and keep serving God how I can well, with my worship. I just wore like an extra deep V. The there next you go. Weekend. There you go. Or do And that really way. messed my hair up. Right. That's but, another option. For yeah. I mean, sure. it can be a really hard thing to do. Yeah. And I guess it all comes back to like just a hard issue of like, why are you doing what you're doing? Right. <laughs> and like understanding that like you're there to like serve other people. Yep. You know, this isn't about me. It's about serving others and, right. you know, taking that criticism to get better, mm-hmm. but also taking it to be like, well, maybe we do need to add some more hymns in. Yeah. You know, like it's not only my musical preference. Right. Or maybe we do need to lower the keys of the songs. Yeah. So that other people so can sing. So that everybody can with sing me, and it doesn't sound which is too high. a pretty important piece of worship leading. For sure. So I think there's so much we can learn from criticism. And, you know, I think what's hard is that sometimes people don't know how to deliver criticism. That's true. So it can come across as mean. Yeah. And it might be actually mean spirit. Right, it might be. Then it kind of then falls on us to like understand that and then break it down and interpret it in what they probably meant or trying to say and how we can use that to, you know, make the worship experience the best and yeah. It's funny when he says, you know, like the pastor comes up and says, hey, we're going to cut that song. Yeah. And you're like, what? We just spent like four hours rehearsing the song. I spent all week long making the tracks for it or like the chord right. chart and now we're cutting it. And it can be like really disappointing. Mm-hmm. But then you just realize, you know what? We've got other weekends. Yep. <laughs> we could put that song in. Yep. You know, and my job here is to serve, you know, the people of this church, not my own agenda. For sure. But that's a hard thing. It's a battle. Yeah. So it's good. I highly recommend anybody to check out Rory's books. Yes, check them out. If you can see him in person at like a retreat or a workshop that he's teaching, definitely take advantage of that. He'll just uh, pour into you and make you a better worship leader um, in so many different areas. Not just even technically, but just even just your heart, taking care of your heart well. And That's awesome. So thanks for joining us on this podcast. See you soon. See you. Thanks for listening to the Loop Community Podcast. If you've enjoyed our podcast, we'd really appreciate it if you left us a review. Oh, and don't forget to subscribe.